and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, g'day, g'day. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor coming to you from our studios in northwest, in beautiful northwest Sydney. G'day, Hunty. G'day listeners, g'day Lloyd, so good to be here with you this afternoon. A lot of good days going on, isn't there? <laughs> How are you going? Had a good week? I've had a great week, thanks. How about you? Yeah, not too bad at all. How's, I, I, how's your tractor? No, I was about to whinge about that. <laughs> this tractor that went right underwater. So I got a f- spare few hours yesterday in the afternoon. I rush out. I think I'm going to mow, uh, you know, my paddock. And seriously, the grass out there, you won't believe it, is higher uh, than the tractor. Oh, dear. Higher. So I've got to mow with so the low range slasher first. right up. No, going pretty hard, actually. Okay. And uh, I'm going round and round and round. I thought, I'll go the other way, because sometimes when you cut one way and then cut the other, yeah. it throws the grass out differently, yeah. and yeah. you don't get a build-up of grass. puts less stress on the tractor and on the slasher itself. Mind you, I've got a Howard slasher. That thing would go, that'd yeah. chop a tree down. It would. Anyway, one round going the other way, going up the hill, and it just stopped. Uh-oh. So I'm a little bit worried about that. Uh-oh. So I'm thinking after the show, <laughs> yeah, we might go out there. Take the spotlight. <laughs> Who's the mechanic out of us? Yeah, let's take my car, my tools in the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we're going to end up dragging it up into the shed, locking the Definitely thing down. Definitely my car, because I've got a winch on my front wheel bar. Hey, this day in history. Yes. Not a big day. Although it is a special day, this one. Happy birthday to my brother. Oh. Yeah. He's uh, getting. He's not far behind me, three, three and a half years behind me, um, to the day, actually. My mum, she had three boys within three and a half years. So mum and dad weren't mucking around. No. And it's his birthday today, so big, big, big happy birthday. But some other big things happened. Um, Vladimir Putin, never heard of him? I have. Okay. I won't ask you whether you like him. No, that wouldn't be wise. (laughs) (laughs) He was elected for a second term as Russian president. Now, the Americans and the Russians had something in common. They both only allowed their presidents to serve for two terms, which I actually reckon is a pretty good idea, Hunty. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't mind it if our Prime Ministers were only allowed to serve for two terms. Yep, I agree. Well, I mean, he's headed into three, four, five, six terms. I don't know what Putin's done, but he's, he's changed everything over there. Bottom line is, whether you love him or hate him, whether you like him or loathe him, He's pretty much the, I guess, almost unchallenged ruler of Russia at the moment. Mm. You know what I, you know what I hope uh, for Vladimir Putin. What's that? On this, the anniversary of his second term, I hope and pray that God comes down, mm. touches his hard heart, mm. and stops this awful war that's killing so many of his own people. And so many of his brothers are Ukrainians, because this is a dreadful, awful war. No matter where your leanings are in this, and most people lean one way or the other, this is a horrendous war. You, you, want, you know what I, I like about Christianity too, Hunty? In my church, there are people who uh, lean toward the Russian side of this argument yep. and to the Ukrainian side of this argument. Yep. You know where I am without saying too I do, much. I do. We still love each other. That's a good thing, isn't it? Not one friendship lost. No. Not which is, which one. is amazing, really. Well, that's what Jesus does, because yeah. it's, it's about another kingdom. But anyway, this is a second anniversary. Uh, it's not something I'm celebrating, but it's just a fact. Another one, 1883, Karl Marx died. Know who Karl Marx uh, is? Wasn't he a, a big communist yep. um, creator? Very good. Mm. He wrote the Communist Manifesto. 
Uh, which was a godless document, really. Mm. And communism has not blessed anybody. It's actually been like some other isms on the world, in the world. It's, it's been a great curse. And he died in 1883. I don't want to be in Karl Marx's place right now. Not just that he's dead, not sure about his future. Not that I can judge. Not that I can judge. But there was no sign that he ever accepted Jesus as his saviour. And that, that's unfortunate. Look, who knows? But I'm not, I'm not him. That's for sure, and I'm glad of it. 1942, this is a big one and a good one. Mm-hmm. On March 14, for the first time in history, someone's life was saved from penicillin. Oh, Not wow. nine, Yeah, 1942. I think it might have been 1940, actually. I reckon I might have that wrong. <laughs> anyway, no, let, let's say 1940 and yep. or 1942. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 1940, but I, who knows? I'll look that up and try and correct it next week, but I'll probably forget. And then the other one, the last one on this day, PI Day. What is Oh, I know this one. Yeah, and I don't. So Pythagoras, he invented some formulas which were universally applicable to calculate angles from squares and circles, and he created a a number, and it's 3.141592654, blah, blah, blah. Where did he get that from? Been in my head since I was at school. But how how did he get that number? Well, he he realised, and I don't know if you know anything about those um, Fibonacci snail... Yeah, I do know a bit. I don't know a lot about them, but I know that that, that these patterns, is that what you'd call them? That's right. Are at the heart of all of creation. And at the heart of mathematics as well. And 3.14 is the number, which is almost the perfect number when you're calculating, I forget if it's volume or area or something, but it's a a number that you use and it's called pi. And today is the 14th of March. Therefore, it's Pi Day. Why? Because fourteen, uh, three fourteen is how the Americans write the date. Three dot one four. Ah, and it actually is Pi Day. Correct. So Pi is at the heart of a snail shell. No, I was giving it as an example of of how those spirals, spirals, spirals. are in everything. Well, Pi is pretty much in everything too. So pie's got nothing to do with the snail shell. No, nothing to do with it. Sorry, I, I, oh, I read hearing you on that. that you did. That but, disappoints but me. But I was trying to illustrate that in in nature and in creation, there's math, yeah. complex math. And so, what what's pie good for? Or don't you don't know? Because I, I don't know. I do. I seriously have no idea what pie is good for, and you may not either. Well, but you need to know right now. You can now. have you can have the number in your head, Hunty. Okay. But perhaps someone could call us and 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 or, or well, you can't call. Hey, are we ever going to have live calls on this show? It, yeah, of course. It's the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter, and that ratio is immutable and permanently locked to three point one four one five nine two six five four three two seven. I learned it when I was young. <laughs> There's a reason I failed maths. Maybe I should stop this here because... Yeah, <laughs> it's, I'm sure our listeners don't give a toss about maths. Actually, I bet there's a lot of them know a lot more about this than we do. Hey, course, if you know more, if you know more yes. and you think we've missed something yes. out, contact us. How do they do that, Well, auntie? yes, if you want to also send us a question for us, the Aussie pastor, or any communication you'd like to have with us, you can do one of two ways. You can text us or email us, and the text number is 0488-880-851, or you can email us, info at aussiepastor.com. You got that number in your head yet? Nope. I'd like a dollar for every time I've said that. Me too. We'd be wealthy. Yeah. I reckon I've got it in my head. I'd be $100 heirs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, I've got that number in my head, but sometimes it goes out. Why is that? Am I getting old? Well, my brain's full. Pushing new fact in and an old fact falls out. Oh, man. <laughs> um, hey, Hunty, just before we... Uh, have a prayer and get into this. Yep. Um, 
What have we got on the program today? We have a great program today. Um, one of our favourite guests, Robbie Bergen. Yeah, I like this guy. Yeah, he's here to answer a question that really shouldn't even be asked. Shakes the foundation of Christianity, this question. And yet, and the question is, what is hell? Or the problem with an eternal hell. Yeah, exactly. Because there's no such thing. Correct. The Bible if, if you does, find that hmm. a confrontational... Um, if you find that a confrontational statement, you better stay online and listen to it. Well, not on. Well, you know, some are listening online. That's true. Old yeah. podcast. Yep. But you better stay on because yep. we're going to answer that question. Yep. Why the Bible says there is no eternal hell. Robbie's good at this sort of stuff he too. Absolutely is. Yep. Uh, what else we got? Ourselves, your pastor, and a couple of other special features. Doing a good Bible study this today. Too. Yes, the Bible study is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that our Bible studies are that long, um, are they? Never were. No. But we're going to talk about Jesus. There is no one better to talk about than Jesus. That's right. That's for, that's for sure. Um, Hunty, can, yes. can you say a prayer and I get us going? Happy to. Let's bow our heads together for those who aren't driving or working. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for this opportunity to be on air with our listeners, Lord. I pray today that for each and every listener and their families and friends and loved ones, Lord, that you bless them abundantly with peace and with understanding. And with grace, Lord, please let all our listeners know that you are always near. So, Lord, I pray for my mate Lloyd, too, as he opens the Bible, that you'll also give him wisdom and strength. And I pray that our program today will lift you high, Lord, I pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) You got to play it? I got to play it. Hang on. (laughs) You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. It keeps resounding in my ear the letter I got at the end of last year that said, be nice to Hunty online. <laughs> I want to say something here, but I've got to be nice. Let me, let me, tell, let me tell our listeners, we rebuilt all ourselves from the floods and the mud and got our insurance. We got everything except monitors. I'm still waiting on two monitors. So I, I couldn't see where so the mouse can was. You see, can you see what I'm looking at now or not? Yeah, but I couldn't see my mouse. It didn't so, have a screen that was on. You have got a monitor at least that tells you what's coming a up. A tiny, weeny little one. It's more well, than if, yours. If you, if, you, if you look at your monitor, there's Thanks. a song there called I Could Never Praise Him Enough. It's a great song. I have no idea who's that from because someone didn't it's write. Some, well, actually, these guys sing with Gaither. Yeah, but who is it? Um, I know it's ju- see. I'm not going to be nasty. I'm not, but the reason I'm asked is Hunty was supposed to write it down. I copy and paste what you send me on the run sheet. Uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> shall, shall we do a bet on that? Yes, because the knives I'm, are out early. <laughs> Gerald, Gerald Wolf is the name of the singer, and I'll tell you who the group is after the song. Okay, but it's a great song. I could never praise him enough. I could never praise him enough for the cross of Calvary. I could never thank Him enough for salvation full and free. I could never do anything to deserve such perfect love. Oh, for everything He's done, I could never praise Him enough. For many years, I've served the Lord the best that I know how. Giving unto Him my time, telling of His power. But if I were to spend unending hours on my knees, praising Him for everything He's ever done for me, I could never praise Him enough 
for the cross of Calvary. I could never thank Him enough for salvation full and free. I could never do anything to deserve such perfect love. Oh, for everything He's done, I could never praise Him enough. never tell just what our Lord has done as if he hadn't done enough he sent his only son to hang upon a rugged cross and bear the load of sin that explains why I can't express the love I have for him I could never praise him enough for the cross of Calvary, I could never thank Him enough for salvation full and free. I could never do anything to deserve such perfect love. Oh, for everything He's done, I could never praise Him enough. So. Hey, Lloyd, uh, have you had a look at the run sheet, mate? Yeah, I have. Uh, <laughs> what does your run sheet say, bud? Why, did, why, why don't people write and say, Hunty, be nice to Lloyd? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> no, my bad. <laughs> I, I thought I had you, but I actually snookered myself. Oh, dear. Um, that's greater vision, Gerard Wolf, Gerald Wolf. Uh, very, very big, big, uh, huge gospel Quartet in America. Americans are into gospel quartets. You know that they are, and they, me too. You Love know what? Them. If I lived in America, some of the gospel music over there, especially in the Southern Baptist oh. tradition, is you know Gaither and all those guys, absolutely incredible. They have feasts of music over there. We get a few morsels from the table here, but they just have so much talent and so many great artists. And Gaither comes here a few years ago. Well, it's more than a few years ago to the Opera House. I didn't even know they were here. Oh. Missed the whole thing. Oh. Yeah, oh, very sad. Very sad. Uh, yeah. Some people say you're showing your age being a Gaither groupie fan. But the th- <laughs> thing is, I like Gaither because his music translates into the local church really good because from the, the young people, to, you know, from the kids to the youth to the oldies, everybody loves it. And that's the sort of music we try to do right. at New Hope. It's good music. It's, uh, it, it, it moves and it is vibrant, energetic and spirit-filled. Yep. So you're going to hear a lot of that on this show, mm-hmm. <laughs> over and over and over. Hey, Hunty, news today. This one, this first news item really bothered me. Oh. A lady got caught stealing groceries. Now, Allegedly. She was stealing groceries. Okay. No doubt. Okay. 
Very difficult for the security guard, though, because you can't arrest her. I spoke to someone in Woolworths about this, actually, specifically about this. They said that when someone steals groceries, they actually can't arrest them. They can't even hold them up. Okay, it's, okay. here's the deal. As you know, licensed private investigator, had a master's security licence. I know you don't like people stealing things either. You actually, if you are the eyewitness to it, you can. You can hold them then up. Then why do they say they can't hold them up? I'm talking to the Woolworths employee. They said, look. Because if the Woolworths employee didn't see with their own eyes it go into the basket, number one, and number two, they must have continuous eye contact with that person through the entire store until they go out the door. That if they lose eye contact, you, it's game are you over. sure about this or are you just, uh, is I this what you think? I am 100% sure about this because I ran a security department for 10 years. Yeah, but you haven't been in security before, for a thousand They've years. They've not changed the rules. Okay. But you touch somebody and you're up for assault charges and all sorts. They said other than call the police, there's nothing they can do. They can take their details. The security guard can't do anything he saw them put it in the basket. Cannot arrest them, cannot and hold them. saw them through their sojourn, through the store. Still can't arrest exit. them, still can't hold them. Yeah, of course you can. It's called citizen's arrest. Well, the lady I was talking to said no chance. I also so talk, I, I, I did the same with a Kmart lady. Yeah. You know how Kmart's holding you up on the way out? That's because their policy in their stores, they don't let their staff touch or say anything because it's just a minefield. Same happened to a guy. Remember that guy who arrested, who, who hauled that guy up stealing from a car parts place? We talked about that on this show. <laughs> yeah. And he got into big trouble. In fact, he got fired. Yeah. Because you're just not allowed to hold people. Uh, I've seen it in Kmart. You know when people, you know how they try to check your receipts? Yeah. Something I actually don't like. And I am one of those guys likely just to walk, keep walking because uh, I'm never going to steal. But um, apparently they can't even do that, really. They can say it's a condition to entry to the store, but if you enter the store and decide to leave the store, and they, there's nothing they can do really to hold you up. But you're saying there is, but only, only maybe if- we, we can – you can do some – you are a, a PI. Maybe you can do some real research into that <laughs> and come back and correct me. And correct the Woolworths and and the Kmart ladies. Look, I'm pretty certain that's their store policies because it's a it's a minefield. You can companies can get sued for millions. What makes me sad is that there's such poverty out there now. Well, that's the key issue. What's driving her to take food for her children? The price of fuel, the price of electricity, the price of rent. The, the price of interest rates. Interest rates are impacting everybody, and we've already... 30% had- of Australia has a mortgage. 100% of Australia is impacted by interest rates Correct. because if you don't have Correct. a mortgage, what are you doing? You're renting on someone who has got a mortgage. Which is also connected. Mm. Um, mm. When they put my rent up $100 a week. Unbelievable. A month or two back. The reason the lady said is, well, unfortunately, the people who own your home have got a mortgage and they're getting hit. They like you. They like the fact you pay your bills, but they're getting hit. Mm. Mm. And I, I believe her. I yep. actually believed her. Yep, yep, yep. It's a sad world when you've got to steal groceries. It is and it sad. We're forcing, it... we're forcing children into like the poverty line right now with our draconian interest rate rises. Yeah. There are parents sending their kids to school now with no tuck shop money. They're coming home to noodles and, and pasta because uh, you know parents can't afford to buy well, fresh vegetables, and that's hurting the farmers and the primary producers. Lisk has been away for two and a half weeks in Jakarta visiting her very sick dad. Yep. I wouldn't mind you praying for Lizzie, actually, oh, and for her dad, for who's sure. facing end-of-life issues. Sure. Uh, he's got cancer. Um, very serious time. Mm. Um, what's wrong with eating noodles? It's great. You just <laughs> I mean, can't, can't, do it. You just can't do it week after week. Oh, can't you? Well, it's not, it's not wise to eat noodles day in, day out, week after week. Oh. 
you become actually fat, but you also become malnourished. Oh. Can you believe fat people can be malnourished? Yeah, it happens all the time. Mm. Online activists terrified by threat to freedom. This is about the government allowing us to put some of their cards in our Apple wallets. Do do, do, do Samsung and that have wallets? I guess they do. Yes. And online activists, freedom activists, are going, that's a threat to our freedom, is it? Well, yes and no. Um, Here are the threats that I see. Big companies like Medicare or Optus, whoever, get hit by cyber attacks, then they get all your information. And if the government's got all your information in one spot where they can, be, where it can be cyber hacked, well, you can lose a lot from one strike. Okay, number one. Number two. But isn't it in your wallet, not the government's? Yes, but your wallet's a cloud-based wallet. I don't think mine is. Yeah, it is. I closed cloud down. No, no. That's where the government has your credentials, including your driver's license. If you open your driver's license right now you'll see a hologram with a code. That code changes every 10 seconds. Oh, okay. Mm. So is it a threat to our freedom? Well, you would have said no a couple of years ago, but listen to this. Oh, there's a COVID, there's a COVID virus coming to the, the country. We recommend you all get vaccinated, but it's not mandatory. Okay, thanks. Okay, a year or two later... Oh, we really need you all to get vaccinated. Well, I don't want to. You said it was, you said it was voluntary. Yeah, yes, it's still voluntary. But you can't go to work. You can't go to the shops. So if the government gets all of our ability to live on this planet wrapped up into a, an app and then decide to make some rules and we say no, then they just turn us off. And then what happens? I mean, neither you or, uh, neither you or I were against the COVID vaccinations. No, but many were. But the fact is that many people's lives were disrupted and are still being disrupted yes. because they never played the game. That's right. That's right. Um, how many vaccinations have you had now? Uh, Ten? Four or five. <laughs> Four or five. I lost count. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. So there's a, great, there's a great convenience. I mean, nothing more frustrating than trying to deal with your government. Like, I've got a jet ski licence and a car licence and a truck and bike licence and a bus licence. But yes, my jet ski license isn't part of my car license yet. Hmm. Why? Because the, com- the government's got two computers. Uh, it just—it's constantly painful. I know most of you now have got your licenses combined, but mine still isn't. What about this one? Threat of rising seas to Asian megacities could be way worse than we thought. I hear what they're saying about rising sea levels. Correct. I hear our island brothers talking about it, and yet. And this is an ignorant statement, and there's a lot of people out there who say, yes, and that's why you've made it. But I don't see a lot of evidence of rising sea levels. So here's the deal. You hear a lot of talk about net zero. And, and what net zero is for this, for this earth is let's try and plant as many trees and soak up as much carbon out of the atmosphere as we possibly can so that what we suck up and use in, in growing plants and and, and You've other, got 30 other seconds. Yeah, all right. All right, so there's a chunk of ice that's breaking off right now that's bigger than England, and it's breaking off as we speak, and it's so many kilometres deep. If it floats out into the ocean and melts, it'll put the ocean up another inch, and that's going to happen in the next year or two. If we're not net zero by, by 2050, there will be small island nations we will lose forever. be very sad. So I suppose, look... Um, when you see people stealing for groceries. Yes. When you see our freedoms under threat. And when you see the environment struggling, um, a threat to life itself, we need to look up. Yep. Because these are signs that Jesus is coming soon. 
You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty, yeah, there's still room for us, the Aussie Pastor? Yes, of course there's still room. If you'd like to send us your questions, and we would love to hear from you, you can text them to us on 0488-880-851, or you can email us info at aussiepastor.com. Thanks, mate. Another one of the great American singers, run, gospel singers running around is Marshall Hall. Love this guy's voice, love his singing, and this song is one of his best. It's called Thanks. Oh, the strength you give you simply carry on through life's toils and tests the worst and best you've never left me alone you're always right beside me and you hear me when I pray and since I first began you've been my dearest friend I give you all the praise hey thanks thanks I give you Thanks for this moment, and I will continually, for each day I live, your praise to give, I'm blessed abundantly. I can't forget that moment, when in my life you made such change, and since the Spirit came, I've not been the same. I just want to give you thanks, sing it with the church now, thanks, thanks.
you're depressed, if life's going hard, there's nothing better to do, hunty, than give thanks to God for, sure. for his goodness. Amen to that. Ever heard of Daniel Luke? No. Janelle Alder? Oh, wait. I think I did. They um Frontier Mission Specialists. Now, who's Frontier Mission? They're from America. Yep. And what they do is they send people, primarily young people, into frontier places in the world to take the gospel of Jesus. Awesome. And so they're in the jungles, in the far-to-reach areas, and there's still a lot of them around living very, very difficult lives. Well, Daniel Lewis, a young American. Janelle Alder is a young American. Daniel Lewis, a helicopter pilot, trains to be a helicopter pilot. He can be uh, making good, good money. Helicopter pilots do okay. Your son's a pilot. He is just recently yeah. graduated too. He's working for an American airline, he so is. he's doing pretty. He's uh, he, he's uh, piloting passenger jets. He absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. Does that mean you get free airfares? It actually does. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking I, forward. I, I get to fly anywhere for free. It's wonderful. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet, but apparently I can. Anyway, Janelle's a, a nurse. They're both in their early 20s. Janelle just got engaged and Daniel just got married. Uh, but they work together. Um, and what happens is uh, Daniel decided to go to the Philippines, to Palawan and to the mountains of Palawan. And Janelle was also there as a nurse. And they've got this ministry where they fly off in the helicopter and get people who are in trouble, a little bit like the Westpac rescue helicopter mm-hmm. or... Uh, one of our, you know, these helicopters. If, if I have a heart attack out at my farm, they fly yep, helicopters. Yep, yep. What are those guys called? Uh, Medivac. Medivac. That's what they're doing. Medivac. Completely volunteer. Wow. They raise the money for the helicopter. Wow. In fact, he's in the process of trying to get a new helicopter because the helicopter he is piloting is about sixty years, fifty years old. One of the oldest helicopters around. Anyway, cut a long story short. Last Sunday, not this, this not the Sunday that's just gone, but the one before. Yep. Um, Janelle and Daniel went off for a medivac. They picked the person up with two family members and started on their way back. And these young people, frontier missionaries, the helicopter went missing. And they can't find them. I preached about it last Sabbath. Uh. All they've found so far is Janelle's shoes. And it's very sobering. Because here's two young people in the prime of life. Daniel's just recently got married to a Filipino girl. Janelle just recently got married to a fellow American who's a pilot for Frontier Missions working from the same area. Their whole lives ahead of them serving the Lord, and it seems they've perished, cut down in their youth. Mm. And sometimes that's what happens when you follow Jesus. It's not a guarantee of a long life. The only guarantee I know of when you follow the Lord Jesus, and I find this very sobering, is if you follow him, you have assurance that he'll be with you to the end Mm. and assurance of an eternal life. And so I just want to salute Daniel. Yep. I want to salute Janelle. Well done, good and faithful servants. Eternity and paradise with Jesus awaits you at the resurrection. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I preached on their lives last Sabbath at Mm. New Hope. And where could they see that if they wanted to, Hunty? Just go to our Aussie Pastor Facebook. I wasn't, I wasn't there, so I'm not sure. Oh, were you at New Hope or were you somewhere else? No, I was at New Hope. Oh, yeah, okay. They're preaching at New Hope. You were there, mate. 
<laughs> you were recording it. Oh. You were in charge. Right. I preached on their lives last Sabbath. I think if you go, I'll yeah, help hunt you out here. Facebook you go to page. Aussie Pastor Facebook page work. or a better place is Aussie, Aussie Pastor, Pastor YouTube. YouTube. Yep. And you can yep. find out more about their inspiring stories and the lives they led. And when we concluded church, we sang this song. And I sang it. We sang it together for a reason. It's called One Day. It's about the, the fact that sometimes things in this earth happen that we don't understand. Um, you want to weep for sadness of what we go through. But this song is a promise that one day Jesus will come and all will be right. Shall all pass away No more tears One day you'll make sense of it all Jesus One day every question resolved Every anxious thought left behind No to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory One day we will see face to face Jesus Is there a greater vision of shall be changed on that day and one day we'll be free free indeed Jesus one day all the struggle will cease and we will see your glory revealed See? 
It's one day we will see face to face. Jesus, is there a greater vision of grace? And in a moment we shall be changed. In a moment we shall be changed. Yes, in a moment we shall be changed. On that. Through the valley of the shadow No cancer No depression No unanswered questions No more searching For we will see Your glory We will see the glory of your face We will see your glory One day, one day, lift your eyes, one day. One day, one day, lift your eyes. Mm. One day, we will see clearly. Robbie. Lloyd. Good to have you on board. Great to be here. For our listeners. Wish I, sitting, wish I was sitting in front of you, but I'm great to be here anyway. <laughs> yeah, for our listeners, this is Robbie Bergen. He's a regular uh, on our program, really, but also on Faith FM. You've got a couple of programs that you yourself are doing on Faith FM. Just tell us quickly. Yeah, look, I've got the regular program called The Faith Experiment, where we explore faith and how we put it into practice. And we come from different backgrounds of different religious backgrounds, non-religious backgrounds, and see how we put it all together. And then there's another show that we've just started this year. We're sort of experimenting with it. It's called Conversations on Faith FM. And there's uh, three of us on the show, live out of Melbourne on Wednesdays. And uh, we have conversations about things that are happening in the world. Uh, oh, what? You mean... Signs of where we are living in history, those sorts of things, or just anything? Absolutely anything. We had a conversation uh, yes, uh, Wednesday, remember that was two days ago. Yep. And it was a, it was about um, how how do we get peace in a world where we, inflation's going up, interest rates are going up, everything's going crazy. <laughs> how do we get peace? So that was our last conversation. But we talked about money. We've talked about um, what else we talked about. Anyway, well, just anything, not necessarily signs of the times and. Just anything just just going on. What's happening in the world and um, how does a Christian navigate it? Who are you talking with or is it with different people? Um, On the regular show, there's me, there's um, my producer, Brad. Uh, He's on there and another producer, um, Alicia. So we we, we have a conversation with three of us and we often have interviews with experts in the field that we're talking about that day. So, yeah, it's been interesting so far. If someone wants to listen listen to this sort of stuff, what they can do is they can just go to the podcast on Faith FM. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. And what's the address of that? Just faithfm.com? 
bedbugs.com.au and then look for the podcasting or program section. And, uh, yeah, you'll find everything on Faith FM there, not just our show conversations or the Faith Experiment on Aussie Pastor Live. You'll find everything there. So if you miss it live, you can listen to it later. Hey, two things just before we get into this real quick. Um, with Faith FM, do more people listen to it live as we are today or do they listen to it on the podcast or you just don't know? That's uh, that's a really hard stat to figure out because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have a – I'd say it's probably a, a – I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of a guess, but my gut feel is it's probably a little bit more on demand yeah. um, than, than live, depending on the time of day. Like the evening programs, the morning programs get listened to probably live more than on demand, but the yeah. stuff that plays through the day, obviously people are working – and they want to catch up on what they've yeah. missed, so they listen to it on demand. But my, it's, 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 it's really hard to definitively say one way or the other. My instinct is with our show that it's on demand. That's my instinct. Um, and I get that from, you know, the conversations we have with those who are listening to our program. But maybe yep. I'm wrong. As you say, it's pretty hard to measure live if you're not a commercial radio station with... Um, mega dollars. Yeah, that's <laughs> to right. To do surveys and things. Well, yeah. the, the one of the experiments is to get people to text in. You yeah. see when they text in, if they text in live or text in later. Well, a lot of hours are later, aren't they, Hunty? Uh, a, bit, a bit of both, yeah. Uh, hey, um, and the last one, just before we get into this Bible study, um, we're just talking about Janelle Alder and Daniel Liu. Yes, and Daniel Liu. Louis. Louis. Is that how you say it? Louis. Yes. And I'll, I'll, Daniel, I'll get to a minute... I'll get to in a minute why you know that so <laughs> so conclusively, but um, <laughs> just talking about these young people who it looks like have lost their lives in the cause of God. Now, there, there's some hope that maybe they'll find them on some outlying island, but it's it's looking grim. Um, yeah. You know Daniel fairly well. Yes, very well. Um, he was – I first met him probably 2004, I think yep. it was. Yep. Uh, I was pastoring in the United States, and he was in the youth group that I was leading um, okay. on Sabbath Sabbath mornings. And he and his sister were there. He's got an older sister. Yep. And his his father is a, a doctor yep. in California, and his mother was a nurse. And yeah, they're a great family. They've I've, yeah, they've supported me uh, when I was a student going through college. They they helped me get through there financially and gave me yeah. They're just such a great family. And Daniel, from the earliest days, he wanted to be a helicopter pilot. Yeah, um, that was his goal in life. And he, I mean, this guy was so driven. He he got his helicopter license. Um, he became paramedic, trained yeah. as paramedic. He wanted um, he wanted to be a bushfire, what we call bushfire fighter, but yeah. firefighter. Yeah. And anyway, he's done he's done all this training. He's an he was an instructor, everything like that, and. Uh, Probably about eight years ago, he went to the mission field in the Philippines because he's yeah. he's actually Chinese American. Yeah. He was born and raised in America, but his mm-hmm. parents are Chinese. And um, he ended up going to a mission project in, in the Philippines. Um, fell in love with the place, fell in love with the opportunities there, and he volunteered. Fell in love um, with a girl there too. For the didn't last he? eight years, fell in love with a local too. Yeah, he got married, <laughs> and and it, it's it's look, there's always hope, isn't there? But it's great. yeah. Look, I've, I've I've I'm talking with his sister pretty much daily. Yep since this all happened and there like there's, there's there is some hope um just because behind the scenes there's some things that just don't add up for a mm. typical sort of uh, crash scenario yeah um for example he's he had a he had two gps's on him a personal one on, on him physically and yep. one on the aircraft yep 
and those those um, GPS signals don't they're not consistent with a crash, a typical crash at least. Yeah. So they're trying to work with Garmin um, in the US to try and release the data because these things ping every minute, but the devices were set to ping every 10 minutes Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the thing. So that there's probably a, at least 10 minutes more, more worth of data that they're trying to chase, but they're struggling with trying to get that release because they need an FBI um, warrant for Garmin to release it. And the FBI said, we can't issue that unless we get a request from the Filipino equivalent. And so they're working with that. The U.S. Embassy is involved. They're trying to get the U.S. military, um, the Navy involved with their sonar equipment. But because it's sovereign territory, they have to have a request from the Filipino government and they haven't given it yet. And it's, there's a bit of frustration um, because yeah. Daniel is an American. So is Janelle. Janelle is American as yeah, well. that's right. Um, everyone wants the Americans involved to, to do the thing, but um, they're dealing with a sovereign country, so there's some challenges there. But look, there is, there is, there is obviously the, the longer this goes on, it, it seems um, a little bit less likely that they're going to find survivors. But until they find a definitive crash site, which they haven't, um, there's still a possibility of hope. One of the, it, it, I was told this by the family on day one. Mm. Um, and not to make it public, but it's mm. sort of gone public on social media now anyway to people's different yeah. ideas. But there is a, a, a theory that they may have been kidnapped. Um, which well, that would be good give, news, wouldn't give, it? Which would answer some of the questions why the helicopter hasn't been found and they haven't been found. Um, Boy, that would be good were, news. <laughs> sorry? Uh, you'd never say that would be good news, but this would be that would be good news. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's the thing, um, because they were flying in and out on... Um, and this isn't to speak evil of Muslims and things like that, but this was yeah. flying in and out of Muslim territories, and the yeah. island rescue was on a Muslim island. Yeah. And and the day before this happened, they released this um, documentary that's it's done in circles on YouTube now mm. and social media. They did a documentary about Daniel and the mission work he's doing with the helicopter. Mm. And so one of the theories is is that um, perhaps the patients were a bait to get the helicopter to come out, and then they would. Um, basically kidnapped Daniel to do drug runs. Mm. That's one of one of the theories. Again, I don't know if it's better or worse if that's the truth or whether there is indeed just a crash and unfortunately they've lost their lives. That, but like the family, they have faith and they, one way or the other, they know that Daniel was doing what he was called to do, and Janelle, mm. and they're excited to know that, um, yeah. like his sister, uh, Rebecca, mm. she said to me, she said, Daniel... If Daniel has died, he has died doing exactly what he wanted to do with his yeah. life. And yeah. so in that, they have peace, and they know that you know we, we all believe in a resurrection. Yeah, we do. And so we're going to see each other again. It's yeah. the, the biggest problem facing everyone right now, obviously, is just the uncertainty of not knowing what happened. And mm. so that's why everyone's trying to raise money for fuel and to do the search and rescue and things like that. Grim days. Grim days. Yeah, uh, it is. But, you know, if, if you look at the people involved with it, they are still, um, you know, they're still Christians and they're still smiling in photos. They're still you know, yeah, encouraging yep. one another. And, it, yeah, it's as well, sad as it is and the reality of what it probably yeah. will turn out to be, yeah. there's still hope, you know, well, in terms of, like, it's, well, there's it's not a lost life for the sake the, of... Yeah, know, there's always uh, hope because we have resurrection. But it doesn't change the fact that there's pain. Yeah, there's, um, absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, if they have perished... Um, it won't be the first time young people have perished in the cause of Christ. In fact, there's a worthy lineage of history, you know, of young people who have died for Christ. 
doing his yes. work. Uh, um, in fact, if you go back to the martyrs, most were young when they died for Christ. Um, let's have a look at this subject for the next... Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I think, just to open this up, that one of the most horrendous, false... Now, I know this can get our listeners offside right from the beginning as I say <laughs> this to open it. So I, I would um, encourage you to listen to what we're about to discuss I think one of the worst heresies, false doctrines in the Bible, and this will shock some of our listeners, is the doctrine of an eternal hell. And I want to—I don't believe in it, but I, I, I want to go to you today, Robbie, and pick your brain on this. Do you believe in an eternal hell? Well, I guess there's two aspects. There's the short answer is no, I don't. Yep. But I do believe in hell. Yeah. And I do believe in the eternalness of hell. And I will unpack that in the next few minutes. But uh, on, the, on the outset, I don't believe in what is commonly understood as hell. Um, can can I ask I, that question I, I agree again? I what you just said, right, that opening comment you just made. I think that this is a doctrine that has created more atheists yeah. or, than, uh, or agnostics, at least, than any other Christian, and I do air quotes on this, but any other Christian doctrine out there. So the short me, answer is no, I don't believe in an eternal hell, but I do believe in a hell and I do believe it has eternal effects, yes. So, so just so it's clear, do you believe in an eternal hell where someone consciously burns for eternity? That would be my question. That I do not believe in. Okay. Um, then how did the idea of... No- an eternal hell get into the Christian church? Yeah, so like I, I, you know my story a bit. I came from, I came into Christianity from an atheist background. And so everything was new for me. I didn't have baggage. And I say baggage loosely, but most Christians who grow up as Christians, they, they inherit, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that comes with their upbringing in Sunday school or whatever the flavor of Christianity they have. And so I, I sort of didn't have any of that. So I approached this whole Christian thing and Christian beliefs from a, a blank slate, which I think looking back was a real blessing. And so when it came to this issue of hell, because this is one of the doctrines that I looked into before I became a follower of Jesus, because I want to understand it. Right? Like, yeah. if, if this is who I'm signing up for, I want to know what I'm signing up to. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did quite a bunch of research around the idea of hell because actually, you know, I don't know if our listeners understand this, but hell is a central well, at least the idea of hell is a central theme in Christian belief systems and structures and, and frameworks of fundamental theology. So you've got to make sure you, you know what you believe and if there's evidence for it. Hmm. So to answer your question, where did it come from? So it turns out, the, the and we're talking about the, the, um, the typical idea that when you die, if you've been naughty or not good enough, this is the typical belief, yeah. you will go to this place of torment, normally the idea of fire and brimstone, and you are essentially persecuted and, and um, barbecued and tormented for eternity. That's that's the general flavor mm. of hell, right? Mm. So let's, mm. let's just put it out there. So most evangelicals today, not all, but most evangelical Christians today believe in some elements of that, some elements of that story that... Yeah. Bad people, bad people go to a place of burning fire and all that sort of stuff, right? And they're tormented forever and ever. So if you don't accept the gift of Jesus, that's where you're going. I reckon it's, it's what most what most Australians, whether they're religious or not, think. There yeah, you go. Sure. I'll go I mean, even we've further. got little cartoons that show that sort of stuff, right? I remember Looney Tunes used to have pictures of, you know, a red devil with pitchfork and, 
and burning and roasting, toasting the souls, the souls forever and ever. Hunty, so the Hunty is, and I are thinking that come of, from, right? So that's that's the question. Well, Hunty so, and I, are, just before you go, on, Hunty and I are thinking of going into town, and we're going to we're actually going to oh, street survey. <laughs> no, well, soapbox. So yes, we're we're, we're going to start interviewing people on some of these questions. I will bet awesome. you, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm getting. I got that idea off YouTube with a guy in Jerusalem who's doing it with the Israelis, and it's awesome. Anyway, cut a long story short. I reckon if you go and ask most Australians in the middle of Sydney, say go to King's Cross or somewhere where people gather and talk, and you ask them what's the view of Christianity to hell, most will say just what you said, a place where you go and you roast fraternity. Go on. So yeah, where did it come 100%, 100%. from? 100%. Yeah. So where did that come from? That's the question. Because I don't believe, I'm sure you don't believe, that's in the Bible. That, right. that imagery is not in the Bible. That belief is not in the Bible. So where did it come from? So in my, my research of this, and this was, I didn't go and study this at uni. I mean, I've, I've studied theology and stuff since becoming a Christian. But when I studied this stuff out, first of all, it was purely looking at the history books. Yep. It wasn't talking to a priest or a rabbi or anything like that. And this is what I found out. I found out that the idea that we're, that we're describing as hell now, right, on this show for the sake of our listeners, yep. that idea didn't come into existence as a doctrine in any church until the 6th century, 600 years after Jesus wow. lived and taught and walked the earth. Okay. That became an official doctrine of the church. And when I say the church, it was the Roman Catholic Church. And it became a doctrine, the doctrine of eternal hell or eternally burning hell, was 6th century at the Council of Constantinople, number two. They had two of these councils. Yep. And it was at this council that the council affirmed the belief in existence of heaven. And then they said, well, if there is literally a heaven, there is literally a place of torment and hell. And it was at this um, uh, council that they worded it as an eternalness of both, the nature of both. So heaven is eternal, and so therefore hell is eternal as well. Now, this doctrine that got sort of approved at the, the 6th century council um, got picked up by a medieval theologian named um, Thomas Aquinas. Mm -hmm. and famous, he developed, famous medieval he, theologian. Very fa very famous. Yeah. Some of his stuff's quite good. Yeah, I don't yeah. agree with everything. He was a, he was a thinker. I don't agree with this part of it. Yeah, he was <laughs> a thinker. He was a real thinker. Yeah. And here's the, here's the interesting thing, right? So let me back up a little bit. So that's 6th century. That's when it becomes church dogma, right? So yep. if you look at Roman Catholicism today and the teachings that that church has, this is one of those teachings. Yep. And that teaching can be traced back to this council as when it became an official dogma of the church. Yep, yep. So the question is, what happened for 600 years, right? What happened from Jesus' day to 600 years later when this becomes a doctrine of the church? So you go back and look at what what we call church fathers. The church yeah. fathers are basically, you know, they were mostly godly men who um, became followers of Jesus uh, in different stages of those 600 years, and they uh, were thought thought um, people, right? They, yep. they laid out uh, reasons and rationales for the Christian faith, and a lot of the structure of teaching of Christianity is a result of these guys, right? So there's people like... Um, origin of Alexandria, there's Augustine, there's um, Clement of Alexandria, there's Tertullian, um, all these, like Jerome, these are some of, some of the individuals that we refer to as like yeah. the church fathers. These are the now, guys who are leading the church in the first 600 years. Exactly. Yeah. Now, again, they, these are not prophets. 
uh, in the biblical sense. These are not uh, apostles even in the biblical sense. These are just people who, you know, they're theologians, they're philosophers, they're, they're followers of Jesus, yep. and they've done their best to construct a, a organized system of uh, what we call a systematic theology. It's putting all the teachings of Christ and the church into a structure. Right? Yep. And we've benefited from that even today. Like I'm a Seventh Day Adventist today, and I, I, in my understanding of Scripture, has been influenced by a lot of yep. the work of these early forefathers. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yep. So here's the interesting thing, though. There was a debate for those 600 years between many of those people I just mentioned. Yep. On the idea of hell, some of them believed in the non-existence of hell entirely. Some believed in a place of eternal punishment for the wicked, especially Jerome. Jerome yep. sort of developed this idea. Yep. But there were also others that believed that it was um, a like um, origin of Alexandria. He believed in the absolute possibility of universal salvation from everyone from hell. Right. So that's the other extreme where there's no hell at all because everyone will be saved. Yeah. yeah. To, so you got this. You got this whole spectrum. One side is. No one's going to be lost. The other spectrum is very few people will be saved and everyone will be burning in hell forever. And then there's this middle ground. Okay. So what I find interesting is that if you do a bit of your research on all these church fathers, the ones that I just mentioned that were debating these topics back and forth, yep. every, everyone that leaned towards the eternal um, punishment yep. of, of, of the lost, yeah. they were all influenced by two people. Yep. Plato and Aristotle. Amazing. You can trace it all the way back. I'm, ama I'm amazed. That had I'm this amazed at that. They that were influenced statement. very heavily by Plato and Alexander I'm uh, and Aristotle. Just for, for our listeners who don't know who Plato and Aristotle, just tell us quickly who they were. Well, they weren't Christians to start with. They're pagans. Um, they were. They were pagans. Like now, <laughs> let me get this straight. So I named my son Aris after Aristotle. Yep. So I I greatly respect the man. Um, but he wasn't a Christian. He was a Greek uh, philosopher. He was an yep. uh, amazing mathematician. He was a scientist. Uh, except he was a Greek guy, exceptionally brilliant individual. I mean, we have so much technology today because of the work of Aristotle. Yeah. But he, he was a philosopher. Yeah. And he he had a very um, pagan view of good and bad, right and wrong, um, the body and the spirit, all these sorts of things. Yeah. And the same with Plato. Plato was pretty much along the same bents as Aristotle, very famous philosophers. Now, what happened was all of those individuals I mentioned, these church fathers, they all schooled in a place called Alexandria, mm. which was which is in northern Africa. And that was the center of education in the early you know, centuries of, of the post-Jesus era. Mm. And the problem was is that Alexandria was almost completely philosophical from a pagan perspective. Mm. But a lot of the people there, they, they became Christians or followers of the Roman Catholic tradition, and they brought all of that um, perspective of uh, philosophical rationale and reasoning, they brought that into their view of studying the teachings of Scripture and ultimately in the framing of doctrine and theology. And so, essentially, the idea of a tor torment burning forever hell is nothing more than a pagan idea that was introduced under a Christian veil and made a doctrine 600 years after Christ had left the earth. And not the only doctrine in Christianity where we see that happening. By the way, you, I know you know this, but Aristotle was Plato's student. So they, yes. were both, they do differ. 
significantly yes. in some of their conclusions, but uh, um, it is it is amazing the influence those two men still have on modern culture today. Um, Absolutely. For good and for bad, but, for, yeah, it's, yeah, they're amazing. I, look, I, what I want to do is I want to get into some... I was talking to my dad this morning on the way uh, to this radio program this afternoon, and I was talking about the fact that the Bible seems to give some support to the idea of an eternal hell. <laughs> I'm going to act as, uh, what would you call me here? The, what was it, Hunty? The devil's advocate. The devil's advocate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to call myself the devil's anything. I enjoyed that. Let, let's say uh, uh, the opponent on this, because although I hear what you're saying, yes, I recognise it and I acknowledge it. There does seem to be some evidence in Scripture to support an eternal hell. And I'd like to take you to some scriptures. And what I'd like to do, and I don't know whether this is going to work, we're running out of time. I actually want to continue this conversation over the next week with you. Yeah, I think we should because we're not going to do this justice otherwise. No, and I just want to go through at least one scripture today and then next week, if, we, if I and I say this um, very, very, very carefully, I want to um, <laughs> look at... And I, and I think I've lost him, Hunty. How's that? No, no this I'm, thing's gone dead. No, I've just turned the speaker up for you. Oh, c- can you hear me? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Good, good, because I can't hear you, but I can now. Um, kind of lost my thought there. Yeah, I want to. I want to. Oh, first of all, I just want to look quickly at what Jesus has to say. These are texts that those who are into eternal hell will use from Scripture. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I know exactly what you're So this is a story that Jesus told of the rich man and Lazarus, a story that you're very familiar with. Can I just read it quickly so that our listeners get the sense of it? And then I'll go to the heart of it. Okay, it's found in Luke chapter 16, and this is probably one of the go-to stories. Is that right, that those who believe in the term? this is the the go-to story for anyone that subscribes to this understanding of health, absolutely. So I'll read it real quick, just so our listeners know, and then we'll go and talk about it. There was a rich, verse 19, there's a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in a luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. He came down when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades where he was tormented, this is Jesus talking, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. This is after death. This is after death. This is Jesus speaking. And this is the go-to parable. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And beside all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place. So those who want to go from here to you cannot, can, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And, and the story goes on. And yes. it's a good story. I don't want to get go too far in the story because it becomes irrelevant to what I'm trying to challenge you with. So in verse 22, yep. it says, The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The yeah. rich man also died and was buried. So they both died. Then verse 23. Yes. In Hades, where he was in torment. This is Jesus' words. He looked yeah. up and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus by his side. So he's in Hades. So uh, it, it seems that Lazarus, the poor man, is in heaven. 
And here you've got the rich dude. He's in hell. And this is Jesus speaking. Yep. Okay, mate. The floor is yours. All right. Okay, so let's try and do this justice real quick. So... I don't, mind, all, I don't mind revisiting, context, this, revisiting this next week. Don't feel rushed because we'll continue. Yep. Yeah. Context is king. All right. When you're studying scripture, context is king. What do I mean by that? We just, we just pulled out a, a, a story here. Yep. And now the, the natural reaction of a, um, undisciplined interpreter of scripture is, Oh, I know what this means. This person has gone to hell and they're burning forever and ever. And the good person, well, the person who was Lazarus here, he was a good person and he went to heaven and he's living forever and ever. Yep. That's, that's the uh, default position that most people take when they read this. On the onset, though, it doesn't say either of those two things. One says he's gone to Abraham's bosom. He doesn't go to heaven. And the other one says he's gone to Hades. It doesn't say he's gone to hell. All right, and we'll unpack that a little bit later in a second. Mm-hmm. But so let's look at context. Context is king. So what's the context of this story? Well, first of all, this starts in verse 19 of a chapter. Now, chapters weren't inspired, but verse 19 of a chapter kind of gives you the idea that you're jumping into the middle of something. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the wider context, the first thing you'll notice is, is that this is in a series of parables. Mm-hmm. So chapter 15, chapter 16 is in a context of parables. For it's, a who parable. yeah. it's a spiritual lesson from a story that is not at all remotely necessarily factual. Okay. That's the, what a parable is. Yeah. But then here's the next key to the context in verse 14. So we're looking at verse 19 onwards. Yep. In verse 14, it's talking, Jesus is talking to Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And he says, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard these parables, these things, these parables. And they were der- they derided him. That means they were, they made it they made fun of him. They're like, oh, who's this rabbi telling us about these parables on on? Because he talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and so on and so on. So in the in next immediate context, after the Pharisees are deriding him, he turns over and says, "Now listen, Pharisees, there was a certain man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and feared." Um, and he goes on with this. This rich man is right. And then in verse 20, it says, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. I'm going to give you two things here. We're running out of time here, but I get two things. We're going to, we're going to go, just for our listeners, we're going to go back here next week. Yeah. Mm. But look at the way, look at the way he starts this, what I'm going to call a parable. I don't believe this is a historical accurate Mm. count. I believe this is a, a parable teaching a spiritual lesson. Here's how it starts. There was a certain man. What kind of man? Rich man. Now, if you're telling a factual account, you should give us the facts. Who was the certain man? Who was he? But it starts off with, there was a certain man. And in verse 20, there was a certain beggar. So it, it, the language is already of a parable because it's the same pattern that he's used in chapter 15, right? But let's yep. continue on. Look at the contrasting here. There's a rich man. And then who's the beggar? His name is what? Lazarus. You know what Lazarus means? If you were a Hebrew standing there when Jesus was teaching and you hear Lazarus, that name means something. And it means the one that God has helped. So we have a contrast in this story between the rich man who's trusted in himself and we have the beggar who has been helped by God. And so God flips the story around. Uh, Jesus is flipping the story around here, right? So you get the sense that there's a lesson coming. What's the lesson that's coming in this story? I'm listening. And we've given you a bit of extra time. I just, I just saw the clock jump. Yeah. I was like, what well, the world? I'll tell you why I did that, because I think we need to finish this story this week. That's why. <laughs> I don't think we can leave this story in the middle. Go on, mate. 
So you, you sort of get to see the picture, right? From the very beginning, it doesn't feel like a, a historical reckoning. It, it feels like a lesson is coming. There's a certain anonymous rich man and there's a certain anonymous beggar, but his name is the one God has helped. Mm. And so if you were sitting there listening, it's like everyone knows the rich man is the one that's supposed to be blessed by God and the beggar is supposed to be cursed by God. That was the cultural understanding of, of those two dynamics. But now they're like, oh, but his name is the one that God helped. How how does that work? How is he a beggar but God's helped him? Mm. I don't get it. Mm. So it's it's it, everything about it screams of there's a moral lesson coming. There's a moral lesson coming. Now you go on and look at some other things there. You see, okay, so they both died. All right, that's interesting. So they're both alive. They're both opposite extremes on the spectrum mm. of society society standing. Mm. One is rich. So he's obviously been blessed by God. But then there's a beggar who God has helped. Mm. But they both die. Now, you, so my point here is that no matter how you look at the details of the story, it comes across as there's a lesson coming. There's a lesson coming. Okay. So you get you get down further, and then you see, okay, so they both died. Now, where did they go? One went to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no. And one went to hell. Mm-hmm. Well, if you, that's what you if you you could you could read hell into it because there's there's torment there, right? But that's not what what's happened in the story. He's gone to Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. What's that then? I'm sorry? What's Abraham's bosom? Ah, this and what's, is, again, playing into the social bias of the day. Yep. If you were a Jewish person there yep. and you were of a, um, a you know, Jewish descent or a, a Hebrew descent, yep. your whole origin and your whole universe was based on Father Abraham. He was the father of the faithful. He it was still the father is, of isn't the it? Nation. In Israel and today, so it still is. It still it, is. Absolutely, still yeah, is. Yeah. And so Jesus, Jesus has actually made a real interesting point. He doesn't talk like Job does in the Old Testament about going to the place of paradise. He doesn't talk like Daniel. He doesn't talk like any of the prophets or even David about going to a place of paradise. Or Isaiah talks about going to a place of paradise. Mm-hmm. He tells them that the reward is to go to Abraham's bosom. And so again, he's, he's, he's not even being consistent with what the Old Testament taught about what happens when you die. So, the, the, anyway, well, my well, point do, is, it's do, just do we, screaming do we know story. What, do, it's not screaming historical account. Do we know what Abraham's then, bosom was, or is he just saying you go back to Abraham, which for Jews is heaven? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in essence, that's basically where he's where he's pointing. And Hades, what, what was Hades? Is that just a recognition of the pagan concept of death that Jesus is using in this parable? Or? That is exactly what most commentators believe on this passage. They believe that Jesus is is pulling from the pagan concept that would have been common in that era because they had pagans all around them in Israel. And he's pulling from the idea that, okay, so this guy's gone to Abraham's bosom because that's what you guys all think you're going and all, you know, I have faith of Abraham to my, my lineage. And then the actual rich guy who's supposed to be blessed of God, he's actually gone to the place the pagans talk about. And it's a place of torment. And then he, he shows the absolute foolishness of this whole story by going, oh, he's, he's being tormented with flames in verse 24. And then he's asking for Lazarus, the one that God has helped, to dip his finger in water and to cool his tongue because he's tormented by the flames. Like it's, 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 if that's literal, it's an absolute, like, it's almost a comedy. It's not, it's, and I actually think it was com- comedic the way Jesus was telling the story, to be honest. And then when you move on down to verse 26, yep. he gets he gets told things like, um, oh, there's a great um, gulf between us. This is Abraham speaking. Yeah. And no one can pass from one side to the other. But your eyes apparently have telescopic lenses and you can see from one side to the other. I mean, it's just, it's all just hyperbole because this is not the point of the story. The point of the story is 
coming down further. Remember, he's, who's his audience? His audience is Pharisees. And who are the Pharisees? They're the ones putting on the purple coats in the fine linen and standing up in the, in the marketplace going, I'm, I'm rich, I'm blessed of God and blah, blah, blah. And then in contrast is the poor guy full of sores, laying in the gate. He's got crumbs coming off the table. I mean, it's just, it's a, such a story of lesson of contrast of what you think to the outcome should be. But the whole point of this passage is not about hell, uh, not about heaven. It's about decision. And look at verse 27. He says, listen, this is the guy who's tormented in, he- yes. in hell, right, apparently. He turns to Father Abraham, speaking across the gulf, right, which yeah. you can't cross, and he says, I beg you, Father Abraham, that you would send him. This is Lazarus, the guy you know, yep. that God's helped. Yep, yep. Send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Now, that's kind of weird. Five brothers. Anyway, well, that's another sidetrack. But think of, um, no, don't worry about it. Anyway. Oh, no, no, so go there for a second. Go, go, go. I, go. I was going to say, you, I was you, gonna can't, say think of, you can't do think, that anyways, with my mind and not go. back to um, uh, the, the giant, David and Goliath. Yeah, I was wondering that. There's, who there's had five, five brothers. brothers there. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll leave that for another time. Yeah. So he, he goes on, he says, send someone, send, send Lazarus back to my five brothers that he may, what's it say, testify mm. to them. So the, the issue here is about testifying and testimony. Or warning, warning. And he says, why, why do you want this to happen? Lest they also come to this place of torment. All right. Verse 29, Abraham replies to this request. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. Mm. As if no, Abraham is God, by the way, in the story, in case you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. You notice there's no God in the story? Yeah. It's only Abraham. Abraham yeah. has the God role. Yeah. So that he's really, Jesus is really playing to the, the common belief systems and he's just ridiculing it in my estimation of things. Yeah. And there's many, many commentaries that agree with me on this. Yeah. So Abraham replies and says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to send, um, the, the one that God's helped, Lazarus, to your five brothers. Why? Because they have Moses. They have the prophets. That's the testifying that he's asking um, Lazarus to do, right? He's saying, no, no, he's got Moses. He's, they've got the prophets. Let them hear. Now, who's Jesus talking to? He's talking, he's to, talking to the Pharisees. Yeah, the living. Right? And the Pharisees have Moses and they have the prophets, and Abraham's telling them, listen to them. Mm. Then verse 30, and he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes from the dead, they will repent. I love this because in that audience, there would have been Sadducees and they don't believe in resurrection of yeah, the dead. Yeah. So Jesus is playing into that as well. So then verse 31, and this is the, the whole point of the story. He says, but he said to them, this is Abraham speaking. So imagine you're a Pharisee, stand, listen to Jesus talk. And Jesus is claiming that Abraham is saying to the Pharisee, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one raised from the dead. Now, guess what Jesus is going to do in just a few chapters? Rise from the dead. Rise from the dead. So Jesus is saying even his resurrection isn't going to convince these people. So anyway, look, I think the point here is very clearly there's nothing here. Look, you can you can read into this, oh, yes, he was burning in hell forever and ever. But you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't have done that in Jesus' day. I'll tell you when you would have done it. People after 150 A.D., would have probably looked at the story and thought differently to what Jesus actually intended. Why? Because in 150 AD, there was a letter getting around called the Apocalypsis of Peter. Mm-hmm. Now, the Apocalypse of Peter is a, it's what I would call a, um, apocryphal text, which is basically, it's a forgery. It's not a real document. Yep. It's, it claims to be a vision written by the Apostle Peter. The problem is it was written about a hundred years too late. 
um, Peter was already dead. And this letter started being circulated. Tertullian talks about this letter. And uh, most people in his day rejected it as being absolutely fictitious yep, and a forgery. Yep, yep. But get this. This is the first time in human history that we have a written document that describes people being tormented forever in a place in the underworld. From a, This is from a, supposedly from a Hebrew Christian context, right? So in this particular little epistle, there's only a couple of chapters, a couple of verses in the one chapter, but it's in this part where it says things like there's a certain place for those who um, are murderers. They get eaten by snakes. There are people who blasphemed and their lips get gnawed on um, with red-hot iron stuck into their eyes. Um, the rich who refuse the orphans and widows, they are made to wear tattered and filthy garments and walk endlessly over pebbles sharpened with the swords of, of red-hot spits. So this is written in um, one, between 100 and 150 AD, right? And it, it claims that Jesus is taking Peter to heaven, shows him all the beauties of heaven, and then Jesus takes him to hell mm. and shows him all these things, right? And this is the first religious document that looks like a Christian document that actually describes people being tormented in hell. Mm. So here's the thing. And it's a forgery. It was a forgery back in those days. But if you look at anything that you've seen in Christianity, in modern Christianity, mm. and their conceptions of hell, it's actually summarizing parts of this document. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you've read this document 150 years after Jesus taught, when you go back now and read what Jesus has said in this parable, oh, that's what Jesus is talking about. But that, that would not have been the interpretation that people would have made in the day that Jesus spoke these words. Hey, this Robbie. This wouldn't have been. Is, is, there, is it correct to say that when you get a passage like this that could lean you to an eternal hell? I think both you and I can see that. Yeah, I can see it. You, now, I'm not, I know you don't agree, but you can yep. see how someone can look at this and go, ah, two questions out of this. Number yes. one, do you think Jesus, who is God, who knows the past from the future, now I'm very careful asking this question because because I'm <laughs> I'm very respectful. I I even fear the Lord God of Heaven if that makes sense, and and it's a health, yeah, it's, a, sure. it's a healthy it's fear. Healthy. It's not a it's not a it's a, it's a deep respect. Yes. Um, but do you think he was playing? Excuse the pun with fire by using <laughs> a parable like this, and why would he do that when he knew what was coming on this issue of hell and uh, eternal hell and, and hell as the Bible preaches and teaches, which is not eternal? Was he playing with fire, excuse the pun? Yeah, look, I, I have I've wrestled with that question for the last 20 years of my Christian experience. Um, not just on this passage, but there's plenty of there's plenty of passages that where you, when you first look at it and you look at the impact it's had on Christian history or even yeah. world history. But this like one, just this one especially, Ron, for the for the um, the Crusades, for example, was based on biblical texts. But this one, you, yeah, I hear you. But this one especially because this is not anyone. This is yeah, this Jesus. is Jesus. Yeah. So here's here's my explanation. If you still you can still hear me, right? We can hear. We can hear. Yeah. So here's my my. This is where I've landed on, on that kind of question with this passage and any other passage. So Jesus does something that we just, sometimes we're just like, we don't get it. But Jesus has done something amazingly complex when he is given inspiration and revelation. So inspiration and revelation is the process of where the divine mind, 
be the Godhead has communicated that through to us to read and to absorb and to, yeah. to apply, right? That, yep. that whole process. Yep. What I find remarkable is that, like, okay, I, I came into Christianity through the book of Revelation. Yep. That's how I got exposed to Revelation, uh, to Christianity, through yep. Revelation. Yep. Now, anybody's read Revelation, you'll go, well, how on earth did you find Jesus <laughs> to the book of Revelation? <laughs> well, it's a good question. It's another conversation. But here's the point. The title of the book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ, right? But if you read that book, it just says pick it up as a novel and read from chapter 1 to 22, you'll go, what in the world? Yeah, there's, yeah. Th- there's nothing here that could possibly inspire a person to give their life to Jesus to become a follower. There's nothing yep. there. Yep. It's just fe- it's almost fearful imagery. Yep. But here's, here's the cool thing. In, in verse 3 Revelation, and I think this speaks to what Jesus has done here, he makes the point in verse 3, he says, Blessed are they that read the words of this prophecy, that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things that are written therein for the time is at hand. How can you read something or um, uh, keep, sorry, how can you keep something if you've read it and you, you, you've heard it, but you don't understand it? You, well, you can't. The answer is you can't. So the implication is Jesus has given us this, this method of almost encryption yeah. with the expectation that we can decrypt it. Yes. Because we've got to be able to keep it, right? Yep. So when Jesus gives a parable like this, I'm going to call it a parable because I believe it is. Yeah, it is. He gives a parable like yep. this. How, how, how are we supposed to decrypt this then? Because the average person is going to pick this up, read it on Facebook, yep. like they read the front of the Facebook page notifications or, or, or web news, news articles, and they're going to go, well, that's what it means, right? But Jesus, in Revelation, for example, seven times he says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. In Jesus' teaching ministry, no more than probably ten times he made the point, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. If you have eyes to see, yeah, let him it. see. So Jesus is making this really interesting point. Yes. His teachings are not for surface readers. That's right. And I know that, I know that upsets like 99% of the, the generation that lives today. That's one of the key differences it, between Christianity, Islam, and other, some of the other great isms. Yes. Jesus is calling you to something deeper. He wants you to understand beyond the surface, which is why exactly, sorry for interrupting here, but I'm excited about what you say because, and that's why Jesus says, uh, they see and can't see, they hear and can't hear because you need the Holy Spirit. This is what my dad and I concluded this morning. You need the Holy Spirit to understand the Bible. You can have the Bible without the Holy Spirit. It's just another book. Absolutely. And it's a Holy Spirit who opens this stuff up. I quote the Bible better than Christians, that's but right. it doesn't do anything for them. That's exactly right. And, and I think that's a key point. These passages of Scripture come alive when you're genuinely searching and the Holy Spirit is either leading you or inside of you and you're born again. So if, if you're where you were when in Revelation, you're not born again as a seeker, but the Holy Spirit's there guiding, leading and teaching you. When you become a believer, then he gets inside of you. These passages are turned on their head and you see things in Scripture no one else can. Exactly. And this is to speak specifically to, to Luke 16, this passage we're talking about. Here's how I understand it as a, uh, a person that approaches the scripture with prayer, with asking for the spirit to lead. I mean, Jesus made the promise in John 16 that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth, right? Mm-hmm. So it's obviously not an easy process if you need the Holy Spirit to be your guide. You mm-hmm. can't just do it on your own. But in this particular passage, this is how I approach this stuff. What does, now we've got what we call a canon of scripture. We've got from Genesis through to Revelation, 66 books that make up this canon, a measuring stick of, of revelation. Mm. 
when you look at the teachings of any belief that you hold, you should view it in the light of all of the 66 books. Now, yes. not every book, I'm talking every single thing, but most books do. And so when you look at this issue of hell, and yes. really when we talk about hell, we're talking about death, yep. what happens when you die. When we talk yep. about death, we're talking about judgment because what happens, uh, how do you know what happens when you die if you're good or bad? Like, So judgment becomes a factor. So we start with hell, but we end up with death. We end up with judgment. We end up with well, how do you get the gift of repentance, of salvation? I mean, everything's connected. So hell is like the fruit of your whole theological perspective. Yeah. So when I look at this issue of hell, what I do is let's survey the scriptures. And believe it or not, the scriptures have a lot to say about death yeah, and know. a lot to say about hell. Uh, sorry, judgment. And therefore, hell becomes just the conclusion of your understanding of judgment and death and salvation. Mm. So when you look at, and again, you're not looking at the surface of, oh, this verse says he's in torment, therefore there is torment forever and ever and ever. When you're looking at the, the weighted evidence across the whole 66 um, books of the scriptures, you get a complete picture, and it's beautiful picture, because death is is a, a temporary inconvenience to the living. Mm. The judgment is the result of, of um, uh, well, not the result, but it's the... Um, it's the way to weigh the life of those who have become friends of salvation and those who have become enemies of salvation. And so you start to see a complete picture. When you look at it in that lens, then these texts start to lose their overwhelming significance that evangelical, modern evangelical Christianity has placed upon them. And it doesn't become the big, oh, man, I'm terrified of dying in a place of, or not even dying, being tormented forever and ever and ever, so I better... Surrender to Jesus, because if I don't, I will die. And it creates a horrible understanding of who God is as a result of some of these conclusions that aren't based on a whole perspective. I'd like to get you back next week, if that's okay. Let's uh, do it. You've got a busy time schedule, but we're going to work it out, even if we have to pre-record. But I'd like to get you back live, but if we can't... And if you have any questions for Robbie on this subject between now and next week, Hunty, yeah, definitely please send them to us. You can text them to us on 0488 880851, or if you want to write a longer question, you can email us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. The reason, Robbie, I want to get you back is because I think we're only starting to touch this subject, and it's one that's really worth some investigation and further study. Absolutely. There's a bunch of other texts people mis misrepresent as well, which I'm sure yeah. we could get we're gonna, into. We're, we're going to look at some of them. <laughs> Thank you, mate. God bless you. See you next week. Thanks, mate. Thank you. See ya. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. For a young fellow, I reckon he's a scholar. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> he is. I mean, I've studied all this, and I struggle to bring it all together like he does. Oh, he's he's clear. Yes. Easy to understand. I find he him interesting. He knows it so deeply. Yeah, he does. Now, look, just for our – this is for our listeners. Yes. So you have no mistaking of what the Bible actually does say. Robbie was starting to look at this. But I just want to read this because I don't want to leave this saying, oh, well, uh I'm not convinced. What does the Bible actually say happens to you after you die? And I'm cutting into time that I don't have, Hunty. Okay. But Ecclesiastes 9, 5, 6, and 10. I just wanted to read this so it's very clear what the Bible says, and then we'll take this conversation up with Robbie next week. For the living know they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done, under the sun. And verse 10? And verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom 
in the grave where you are going. No what in the grave? Can you read that No again? work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. If you were in hell, there would be knowledge. That's right. And certainly be work. <laughs> Trying to get the heck out of it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just want to put that there so there's no misunderstanding about what the Bible does say. But we're going to go back with Pastor Robbie next week. And we're going to look at some more of these passages that are used by our evangelical friends to prove an eternal hell. But I want those words in Ecclesiastes 9, 5, 6, and 10 to ring very loudly in your mind. Stay in context, text against text, uh, jot against jot, line against line, comparison against comparison of Scripture. Okay, we're going to have a song yep. now. It's been a while since we've had some music. Yep. This is Chris Tomlin, Amazing Grace. You want to be ready for Jesus when he comes. Man, I do. I love Jesus so much. He's so beautiful. Mm. And he gives us grace so that we can escape eternal death. And this song is about it. Jesus and his gift of grace to you so that you can live. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
We sing this last verse together. We sing the refrain, my chains are gone. Let it be the most beautiful sound in this amphitheater tonight. People who know what it is to sing in freedom. Who know what it is for those chains to be broken. We sing from your heart tonight. Come on. The earth shatters all like snow. The sun forbid to shine. I song. got nothing without grace. I got nothing, hunty. That's it. Um, I got nothing to offer. My works, my life, I look back on it. A litany of failures and successes, hunty. But if I was to line up and my works were what would be considered on whether I will live or not for eternity, I am doomed. Of course, me too. Grace. What is grace? Grace is Jesus' atonement. What is Jesus' atonement? It's Jesus taking my life, the whole lot of it, and putting it on the cross, all my sins, all my weaknesses, all my failures, and paying the price and giving me eternity. Jesus pays the price so of my sins so I can live. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death we when we sin we disconnect ourselves from god but when we give our hearts to jesus and we give him our sins in other words we repent lord i'm sorry here are my sins he takes the wages of death for my sins and pays for them on the cross and gifts me back eternal life he said i paid for your sins you no longer have to die you can live forever you know what hunty i know i'm taking time out of us that's okay this is beautiful but stuff you and me are gonna go start going on saturday nights into sydney yeah, we I'm are convicted on this we are and we're going on the street. Now, I'm not going to street preach. I'm going to street share. Yep. Does that make sense? It does. I'm going to start sharing this with people on the street. 
and I'm going to start to ask some of my church members and anyone else who wants to to come with us. I, I, I just, I've got that burning in my heart now. I want people to hear this message. They hear it on radio, they hear it on television, they hear it on social media. I want to go and tell them face to face as nice. well. I look forward to it. Yeah. Okay, Hunty. I might make up a sign with a big sign with a logo on it and says, Ask the Aussie Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually just going to go up to people. Okay. And I'm going to ask them questions like, What do you think of Jesus? Yep. Um, those sorts of things, and just have a conversation. Some people tell me to nick off. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, been yeah, yeah. being told that all my life. <laughs> I kind of got used to. Some people will listen and walk away. There might be the occasional person who will listen and accept Jesus. All right, let me jump in to ask the Aussie pastor. Yeah, I can, you can see him here. He's like a wild horse ready Chase to go. Let them in. Yeah, go. It's the run home. <laughs> yeah. All right. Why are churches filled with riches when Jesus asked his followers? To give away their wealth. Ooh. <laughs> oh, mate. Look. There's a parable. Isn't there a parable about Jesus telling a guy, come home, it's a fine, but you need to give away all your wealth to the poor? Yeah, we looked at that last week, yeah, actually, we on this show. We oh, did. look, look, look. This, there is no greater misconception of the Christian church than this idea that they're full of riches. That's true. If they're full of riches, where are they? Because I ain't got none of it. I mean, I drive, might have some. <laughs> I drive a. How old's my car? 23. Uh, a 16-year-old car. Yep. I would drive a 16-year-old car that's worth that was given to it was me. Given to you. Yep. Worth a few thousand dollars. It was, even, a, it was dead when you got it. it. Wouldn't even go. Got a big ding in the front of it, and I can't afford to, to pay for it. I struggle to exist in this city. I belong to a church of a hundred and what fifty odd yep. people yep. that uh, struggle to pay rent as well. To pay and rent and just and, survive. Yeah. So people are looking, and, and I get stirred up about this. Yeah, they're looking at a few of these mega churches around the the world, which are bathing, are just saturated in money. These pastors living in mega mansions and driving <laughs> brand new cars and flying around in their private planes. That is not Christianity, Andrew Hunt. No, it is not. It never was. The Christian church is primarily a fairly poor movement. Go around the world. We are not a wealthy movement. We are not, we do not have money flowing out of our coffers. I don't even know where Andrew Hunt, who's hired by this ministry, is going to get his wage next week. No, it's true. We don't know. We're constantly broke. We're constantly struggling to make it. We're constantly on the edge. And my experience is the same as 98% of other Christian churches around the world. So these people that say, oh, the Christian church is wealthy, man, look, there are some out there, but they're a minority, and I certainly ain't a part of the wealthy Christian church. I actually wish we had a bit more money so we could do a bit more for the Lord. That'd be good. I wouldn't spend it on a house. I wouldn't spend it on a new car. My 2006 Toyota Corolla with the ding in the front of it is enough. I don't care. Oh, I wouldn't mind having a, having it with um, cruise control, Hunty. But yes. you and I might be able to I might be able to save up and do something yeah, about that. We could that. put cruise control on that, I reckon. Yeah, But it'd still be the lousy one that goes fast downhill and yes. you still get bored. Yeah, he won't put brakes on, no. Anyway, no. never to worry. Next question. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It's not. <sighs> yeah, no, most churches it, it, don't it, have it, tons of money. It annoys me when I hear questions like that. They're fair questions when you look at the world, but man alive, we're struggling out here. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Alrighty. This is a cool question. If you are against the Crusades and the Inquisition, would you have been burned alive as a heretic during those events? Yeah. For I, was sure. thinking, I was thinking yes to that. Yeah. The, 
the medieval church, the Church of Rome, Catholicism, and where we as Protestants stand are a million miles apart. I would I would argue that modern Catholicism is considerably different than what they were back then, although there would be some, and, and there's an argument for this to say that the movement never changes either. Um, look, the way Christianity, which was Roman Christianity, treated Islam and the Muslims in the Middle East, their own homeland, was disgraceful, disgusting, appalling. I would have spoken up against it. Would have, it's never been the role of the church to take up the sword and, follow, and spread Christ through that means. Islam did that and still would. They spread by primarily the sword. Christianity has done that itself, Roman Christianity. But it's not the way, Hunty. Mm. Uh, and I would oppose it. I, in fact, I'll go further, Hunty. I oppose the idea of any union between church and state, mm. which mm. is why, as we said last week, we may not agree with Pride 2023, may not agree with the uh, belief system, but they have every right to march if that's what they choose, even though I may not agree or like what they're doing, just as I have a right to say what I think. It's a separation of church and state. Does that make sense, yeah, Hunty? Yeah, it does. It's very, very important because uh, whenever the church gets with the state, wow, bang, we're in trouble. I might have wandered a bit on the answer that's there. Right. This next <laughs> question is about rapes. I might skip it to next week. Okay. And jump down to an all-knowing God can read your mind, so why does he require you to demonstrate your faith by worshipping him? That's not for him, it's for me. Exactly. <laughs> That's an easy one. Yeah. Yeah. God, God doesn't require me to demonstrate my faith. God asks for, pleads for, offers a deeply personal, intimate relationship with him. That, that question, that's a good question mm. for our listener who mm. gave it Thank to us, you. but it does re- reek of works. Yeah. You know, oh, uh, I can do this for God. No, it's not about that. This is a love thing between you and God. It's a relationship. It's, it's beautiful, hunty. Yeah. And, and so I'm not required to do anything. He just wants this friendship with me. And, of course, so much comes out of that friendship. My whole life is turned upside down. It's, it's so beautiful. I get peace. I'm complete. I got assurance and hope mm-hmm. for a future. That's beautiful. Knowing where you're going when you die, how nice is that? That's beautiful, yeah. man. Especially gold. Gold. when you're struggling with your health like I am. Yep. Okay, mate. I think that's it, is it? All right. That's it for Ask the Aussie Pastor. What okay. do we got next? Well, we got to sing song. a song. Uh, sing a song. Beautiful we're not gonna, song. We're not, actually, I like to sing. <laughs> Can I sing along and we put it on the... No, I'm <laughs> That is clear everything out. You've got 10 seconds to announce the song. Go. <laughs> I'm not on a tight schedule like Hunty. No. I'm taking my time just so I, we go I, over I that. Have to, I have the run sheet like the blood pressure to prove it. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. This is the second song we've had from Matt Redmond today. Yep. We sing this at New Hope. And by the way, hey, if you want to come to church. Yes, please do. For Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, just behind the Aldi, 10 o'clock Saturdays. We'd love to see you. Have we blown your 10 seconds? Sufficiently. Let's listen to the song. You guys take it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, and worship His holy name. Beautiful. And sing like never before, 
I like the idea that through our praise it blesses God hmm. and he blesses us. It's a two-way rela- thing, this relationship with Jesus, and he is beautiful. Well, good good program, good show today, yep, Hunter. good program, indeed. I've really enjoyed um, uh, talking to Robbie, and I just pray as we bring this to a, a close that you will remember Janelle and Daniel. Mm. Uh, if they have passed away, we pray for comfort for their loved ones, and if they're still alive, that God will protect them and will keep you up to date with how that mm. unpacks and unfolds. Um, I'm going to pray now, and uh, then I'll farewell you. Dear Lord Jesus, we do pray for Janelle and Daniel. If their lives have been cut short in their youth, we thank you, Lord, for their witness and trust you, Father, to see them through to eternity. If they are alive, small chance that it may be, bless them, put powerful angels around them and bring them back home safely. Pray for our listeners that they may know you, Jesus, may know your mercy, may know your grace, would hear your Holy Spirit calling and convicting and would make decisions, firm decisions, Lord, to follow not a religion but you, Jesus, is my prayer today in your name. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grollam and I'm Aussie Pastor. And my name's Hunky and I'm the man in black. And God loves you. And we love you too. <laughs> Actually, we said that wrong. It's all right, but God loves you so much more. Actually, we still said it wrong. It's meant to go. I love you. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. let's do it again. Let's do it again. My name is Lloyd Grollaman and I love you. And my name's Hunty and I love you too. Actually, you love... Yeah, you do. But, do. God, but God... He loves you so much more. We messed that See up. See you next time. We? Messed it up big time. <laughs> Bye-bye and God bless. God bless. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 